0: All right, all right, quieten down now. Live from the Britain Yankee Pub Studios. Another Britain Yankee Craft Beer
1: pub cast. I can hear the pints being pulled right now. Jack, 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 Jakey, Jakey, Jakey,
0: Jakey. It Take it away, lad. You are paying for that beer, aren't you? Pump up the bitter. Pump up the bitter. Hello,
2: everybody, and welcome Womp to the, the Britain Yankee Craft Beer Pub. We are here, and it is episode two of Behind the Pint. It's an effort to get down and dirty into the deep parts of brewing. And we're going to pick a topic each week, and we have guests on to discuss that topic. So it's almost like a panel discussion, only via Zoom and without a panel. But in the meantime, we are going to introduce my co-host, who is sitting with me. If I do edit this up as a video, you'll see him. It is Mr. Chuck Fort from Church Street, the senior brewing consultant. Good evening, Chuck. Good evening, Phil. Hello, 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 hello. I thought you you weren't going to do that for a minute. (laughs) The abbreviated one. Good man. All right. Well, I'm glad you could make it. And we're going to crack open a beer in just a second. But our topic today is, is the world a little too hazy? And we're going to be talking all about the hazy style, asking a few pertinent questions. And I have with me two sides of the coin, if you will. On one side with me is Mr. Eric Bramwell, the head brewer from Riverlands. Good evening, Eric. Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Great. And I'm thrilled to be here again, talking
1: about a, a style of beer that I I enjoy making and drinking. So,
2: yes, I was going to introduce you as the king of hazes in the Fox <laughs> River Valley, at the very least. Now, on the other side of the coin. And from way south in Crete, Illinois, and Evil Horse Brewing, we have Mr. Steve Kemp. Good evening, Steve. Good evening. How are you? And I think your catchphrase down there is making beer that tastes like beer. And I don't think you make too many hazes. Is that correct? Actually, our our phrase is making beer-flavored beer great again. And we do (laughs) actually make a hazy. Yeah.
3: (laughs) It's actually a style that I like. It's kind of goes back to Eddie topper you know i mean it's it's actually a real beer style but it's when people go
2: off the off the rails with it that you know i don't really care for it well let's get into it so hazes have been described by some as not bitter enough or ipa like enough yet they're in the ipa category right as hazy ipa has been added to the Brewers Association Styles for GABF med- medals at least in 2018 on. And I think then there were a staggering 706 entries that year, which is quite amazing. Yeah. In 2020, New England Hazy IPAs were the blockbuster of the IPA category again, seeing a 761% increase year-over-year sales on a online liquor store called drizzly i don't know if you guys are familiar with that but no, i that one it whacked up there so <laughs> now you mentioned actually see that the first ever hazy ipa was heady topper that was created by the alchemist john kimmich and served in 2003 so it took five no 15 years To get from Heady Topper, which I always knew was a one that everybody wanted to get and they couldn't get it. And when they got it, they thought it was the best thing ever. Um, and you know, it, it was 2003 when it was first served in Vermont, I tasted it and I didn't know what all the fuss was about, but Hey, that's me now Riverlands and Church Street both have three hazies on tap at the moment. And that was as of me looking this afternoon. So who knows, it might have gone up or doubled by now. What Do you, do you have any at Evil Horse? I don't think you do if I'm... We do, actually. It's uh, called Smoke the Donkey. Oh, Smoke the Donkey. Okay, well, I, I looked at your tap list and I couldn't see one. So, okay, I I stand corrected. Or actually, I'm sitting corrected, but that's okay. So my first question, and I'm going to throw this one out to Eric, I think, to start the ball rolling, is what's the difference between an IPA, you know, and, and I, when we look at IPAs, I don't mean the original ones back in uh, the Victorian days when, sure. when England invented the style. Uh, but the IPAs now, I guess American IPAs and a hazy IPA, and and I've got a follow on question. So what's the difference, Eric? So, <clears throat> oh, hang me. on, thank you, Chuck, just remind I'm me, I, we didn't get our beer, I, yeah, get our, I, 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 I'm going to crack discussion. open my beer here. Oh, and I didn't ask you what, oh, there we go, hang on. I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada Hazy Little Thing IPA, which comes in a variety pack they sell at Costco. Mm-hmm. And both Chuck and I are going to split this. You can pour your own. There we go. Uh, What are you drinking, Steve? I'm drinking Sergeant Reckless. It's not hazy. It's actually kind of hazy
3: because we just tapped it, but it's not supposed to be.
2: Okay. Unfiltered. It's an American pale ale. There you go. So, Eric, tell us what you're drinking and then answer the question, damn you.
1: (laughs) So, I've got our Dean Street ipa that we just packaged recently and i'll I'll touch on this at some point i'm sure we just kind of revamped how we do our hazy ipas a little bit and and like i said i'll I'll give the details about that but one of one of our favorite batches of beer that we have going
2: on right now and so So, what the the question is is what's the main difference between a regular ipa and a hazy ipa sure
1: I mean, so when you when you look at it, definitely just the the appearance is is the first thing you're going to notice. Anyone who's had a, a hazy New England IPA is, you know, obviously going to see that it looks like a glass of orange juice. But beyond the aesthetic, you know, the the visual differences, the big thing to me is this style of beer is much more about the hot flavor rather than. Uh, bitterness and IBUs. So there should still be, in my opinion, a little bit of bitter balance to it. But you know, you're you're getting the majority of your flavor from either late hop additions in the kettle, and mostly you know, most of the people that I know and, and here at Riverlands, most of our flavor and aroma just comes from the dry hop. So it also kind of goes hand in hand with a, a silky, creamy mouthfeel that usually, you know, lacks in a West Coast IPA where it's more about being crisp and light-bodied and, you know, a little more drinkable, the hazies tend to run a little bit more silky and and pillowy in the
2: mouthfeel. So we'll get into the details of the brewing styles, and I know there's lactose versus non-lactose and so on and so forth. Steve, what's the difference between a West Coast IPA and uh, a New England IPA? Is there any? There's a a large difference, yeah. We're
3: going to brew a West Coast IPA here for our sixth anniversary uh, Wednesday, <clears throat> basically West Coast IPA is a lot drier and bitter. New England IPA, as Eric said, has got it's creamy and silky. There's a lot of like for ours, we use oats, wheat. You know, we put a bunch of stuff in there to try to keep it hazy. And one of the flaws with ours is it just doesn't stay hazy. <laughs> it clears out <laughs> after a while. Like all beers, they clear
0: out. You know? <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, so how do you? Okay, so let me ask a question to follow on from that. How do you prevent that? Because a hazy beer, right? Theoretically, should be hazy all the way through. Now, actually, you know
3: what? I've I've had a lot of New England IPAs that if you catch them toward the end of their life cycle, they're not very hazy anymore. To me, it's more of a flavor issue. I particularly like New England IPA because it doesn't have a ton of bitterness. It's it's more about the malt. You taste the malt profile. And then you get the fruity, piney, that really exemplifies the hop character, which I particularly enjoy. I like both styles. I like West Coast. I like like New England. Just uh, they're two unique beers, which, I mean, hazy doesn't bother me. It's when it starts getting lactose and sweet and watermelons and grapes and donuts in it that it gets weird.
2: (laughs) Donuts, come on. (laughs) All right, so... You've had a chance to taste this one, Chuck. Yeah. Hazy little thing IPA from the classic Sierra Nevada, which last week we talked about craft beer in general. And we came to the conclusion that Sierra Nevada could still be considered craft beer, even though we're a fairly, a macro brewery, if you will. But what do you think on the flavor on this one? Because I'm, it's minimally it's kind hazy. Of like, it's kind of like a urine oh, color, if you will.
0: <laughs> but what's see alcohol on this one. Oh, look! Uh, tell us what you've got on the. Uh, well, my... it's kind of like our little Lucy. It's like a. It's like a more like like an all day IPA or all day haze. It's sort of a, you know, you can six point seven. Six point seven. Yeah, that's not too bad. It's not no. nine. It's not nine. Nine. It's nice. Seven is it's not nine. It's still a little high, but actually, it's, it is lower in alcohol than some of them. So. It's a little more. You can have a few more of these, and you know, certainly there's a lot of hazies that are that are bigger than this one all around. So, so yeah, we have like two hazies. We have like our little Lucy, which is like the, you know, everything's dialed back, and then we have the bigger one. So, what do you think makes hazies so popular?
2: Well, and, and you know, outside of the, the one uh, of the
0: things, you know, that's happening. Well, I, when when IPAs first came out, it was like, you know, you'd, you know, drink them, um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it's just like. My wife used to say earwax. I'd be like, "No, it's not earwax. It, it's, it's don't say that. It's, it's a wow. <laughs> it's res, It's resiny. You know, it's like a resiny character. And at first, you know, like way back when, it was like a bit of a turnoff. But then you started to started your palate adjust to it. and You start to like them, and pretty soon, there's like a whole little following of people drinking, you know, IPAs, and it started to get more popular, and more popular. Than there was and there were a lot of them, you know, two hearted ale, you know, was kind of like the benchmark. Yeah, but that's you know, for
2: that, that's IPAs. What about hazies? Oh, you know, I'm getting oh, to it. it. Oh, he's I'm getting, getting to, to it. It. Okay, give
0: time here. So then when they when they came out, when the when the Hazy started getting popular, it's like, okay, now we, you know what, you don't need all that bitterness thrown at you, you know. And, and so, and, and not only that, but you started getting more people, you started getting more customers with, with the hazies, people that, because in, in, the hazies in some ways some people complain that they don't taste like beer but that's the uh, that's the thing that also gives you more market of people appeal more people will buy it people that aren't necessarily necessarily beer drinkers right so that's when you start looking at as as brewers were starting to do sours and fruited sours and and these aren't fruited but they taste like fruit they taste like like eric was saying like like orange like you know it's like almost like, like orange, like orange, orange or something it. you know and some people may complain well i you yeah. know i want it to taste like beer but there's a whole you know as brewers if, if a lot of times if we just brew what we like we're out of business you know we gotta right. so i may not necessarily like hazies that much but sean likes hazies he's our head brewer and so he's doing a real good job with them and it's just you have to be able to appeal appeal to a broader range of people in my opinion. So. Well,
2: uh, and I think you're 100% correct because the economy of the brewery comes into play, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think, Eric, you've seen a great number of different hazes come and go and they all get sold out, right? Yeah, it's a style that definitely
1: tends to move pretty well for us, even if we have more than two or three on tap. You know, we, we've had six on tap at one point, which is more than I prefer at, at any one time, but they all still moved.
2: It's definitely a, a style we we have no trouble selling. So I'll throw out a question to whoever wants to answer it. So do they go against everything a classically trained brewer was taught about brewing high-quality craft beer? I I don't. Well, I shouldn't. I
0: don't know. I'm not <laughs> That's a classically trained brewer. That's the, the only thing is the clarity part. That's the only thing, really. Right.
1: right? But I, I like think the- it depends on your your method. I, I remember back when I was trying to figure this style out however many years ago, and I read some article about you know breweries out east adding flour into the beer, which yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. I remember reading about that. I mean, if, cause that would be absurd, but the way we make hazies isn't any different than the way we make any other beer. We're just choosing uh, specific malts, yeast and hops that all interact in a certain way that give us the results that we're looking for no different than any other beer that we make. We're not adding anything outside the ordinary to them. We're not adding fruit. We're not adding lactose. We're not adding anything, you know, we wouldn't add to any other IPA
2: we make. It's just those combination of ingredients produce this specific result. So do you think that, and Steve, I'll point this one your way. Do you think that when new breweries start up, they are going to go for a hazy because The less talented brewers, less experienced brewers can make them and they get a lot more fame, if you will, from it. And is that a problem for them? Should they start with classic styles? You know, quite frankly, when we brew our hazy, we pretty much sort of throw out
3: most of the, you know, brewing skills that we use and just throw it together to try and keep it as hazy as possible. We don't do a protein rest on it. We don't do, you know. We never cold crash it. We send it right to the thing. I don't. I think it's a fairly easy style to make. I don't know how easy it is to keep it hazy because I can't seem to do that. But shake the keg a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, shake the keg a bit. Yeah. Um, isn't that a cosmic punch yeast? I don't know if you yeah. that or not. That one. But some of the some of the yeasts are just hazier than others.
3: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I think it's a pr- fairly easy style to make but it's obviously it's just i mean i like it for the fact that it's just not real bitter and it brings out the real hop character
2: okay so i've, I've heard this a couple of times from my taste buds i'm going to say that most hazes uh with the exception of a few have a very high citrus finish grapefruit orange juice whatever and i get you know when you you smell the hot pellet it's it or i'm sure you've tasted a hot pellet everybody has to taste a hot pellet at once in their life (laughs) that's disgusting never (laughs) goes (laughs) okay so i get the traces of that kind of hot that that base hot pellet that you get an aroma from before Mm. you throw it in and i get that to a certain extent, in some hazes, I guess my question is, what's the recipe for success here? What makes the hazes cloudy? That's the first bit. yeah. You know.
1: This is something we've definitely tried to put a lot of thought into on our end. There are a few a few things I think that they combine to to make like a stable, thick-looking haze, mm-hmm. and it's it's your grain bill, high-protein malts like wheat notes, a you know. A, there's a, a specific yeast strain that I think a lot of brewers use. You don't have to use that one, but there are yeast strains that, uh, especially like English strains, that tend to interact. I know. Yeah, see, you guys didn't know. But you're <laughs> I want to have
2: anything to do with it. These,
1: these different English strains, the way they interact with the high pre- uh, protein malts and the hops kind of helps. You know, it's not necessarily yeast in suspension, but it's the way that yeast interacts with the other ingredients that creates a haze. But more than anything, I've found it's different hop varieties. We brew a similar base for a lot of our hazies and some look juicier and hazier than others, despite all other variables being the same. Just acid content of certain hops definitely lend a hazier appearance. And actually it can the oils in certain hops can kind of boost the mouthfeel up too. I was well, going to say, then the just the last thing is yeah. just not skimping on the hops. We we had a pretty preposterous amount of hops cold side to our beer. They're expensive beers to make, but the results are worth it. But you were about to ask about hop varieties. Uh, yeah, Galaxy
2: is what, the most and, common ones that are using, and what are the new ones? Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I know the ones <laughs> we,
1: we lean on the most, and it's, it's partially because I, I love the flavor of them, but Citroen Galaxy always create a really stable behavior we found in, in our beer. And they lend something to the mouthfeel too. Plus citra, it's kind of a cheater hop, I'll admit, because it's it's delicious in this style. You can't go wrong with it. But it's another, it's a, it's a hop where we've used it and love it. And it's kind of a known variable for us. So when we're trying a new hop, we tend to pair it with citra because we know what citra brings to the table. And we love what citra brings to the table. So it kind of lets us experience this other hop in a way that we know it's still going to be a successful beer we get to try something new
2: so doesn't that so i i was in it for a long time and one of the rules in it is if you have a problem or if you have you know something that you know is working but you've got to change something change only one thing so what you just said is you're basically keeping citra in there and changing the other hop wouldn't it be better just to leave that one you know get rid of citra and try the one hop
1: well, <clears throat> so if it's a hop we've never used before, you know, it might not lend itself well to the style. You know, if it's, it's a hop we've never played with and we're not exactly sure what it's going to do, you know, I'll, Citra, you can almost kind of use it as a little bit of a safety net that you know you're still going to get a quality IPA using a certain amount of Citra in there. But if you, you know, do your research and, and pair a, a hop we've never used before with that Citra, it can kind of take it to the next level. And then the other thing is there are just so few hops that can carry a beer on their own. So we don't like to do like a single hop IPA with hops we've never used before, just because there's probably
2: not going to be a whole lot of complexity to that hop profile Then, What about new hops? I was going to go to Chuck, because you were talking about the cosmic nunchucks at the I think you were alluding to that, which was just brewed uh, by the Pink Boot Society, and they used a whole different bunch of hops. Any of you guys using new new style hops? You said one hop
0: there. Eric, what about you, Chuck? Do you use new ones? Uh, we got a new one that we're using, and I can't remember what it's called.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> that helps. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. Something sound ordered, and, and he seems to like it. But yeah, I don't know. I like, like, uh, we, did, we were talking about Galaxy. That's a good one, and... We're using Cosmic Punch yeast from Omega, Omega. and yeah. that. So now we're like mash hopping. Okay, what is mash hopping? That's where you throw hops into the into the mash. Okay, I. I you know what? I, I thought <laughs> it might be, but <laughs> <laughs> I just lost that question, you know? that's where you. That's at the beginning when you're cooking okay. the cooking the grains. Normally the hops go into the boil or like cold side in the fermenter. Okay. This is going in. You know, hot side and in, in the in the actual mash, and uh, you know there's some sort of chemistry going on with lipids and increasing those lipids.
1: Sorry, what- I, I remember reading about this with that cosmic punch yeast. The mash hopping is supposed to increase the potential for file production.
0: Or, I think yeah. it's
1: it's that white Violent grape.
0: Lipids and-
1: yeah, it's that white grape kind of note, it's supposed to increase the the I don't know it's the precursor to that. Or some someone who knows a lot more about chemistry than I do yeah, explain better, but it's supposed to better. amp that that flavor up in the final beer a lot more than just whirlpool
2: hopping. Otherwise, do you there. know about chemistry, Steve? I failed chemistry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, uh. So, so <laughs> I mean, what 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 hops do you use? And let me ask a real definitive question here because I think if anybody is listening to this, Eric alluded to hops being expensive, and I know a recent CBC conference you had down in Bloomington, what I got out of it was the price of everything is going up, right? Well, hops probably is going up. So from your perspective, what hops do you use and how much does a bag actually cost? Well, that depends on the
3: style of hop, on the variety of hop. I mean, it's- For a hazy. For a hazy. You know what? For our hazy, we do a, at the kickoff of fermentation, I use Bravo, And then we dry hop it again after four days with uh, comet. That's when we're using in our hazy. That's why it doesn't stay hazy. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we do it during we we dry hop during primary fermentation, and then also after fermentation is done, we use a London ale yeast strain because it's a low flocculating strain to try to keep a lot you know stuff you know proteins in suspension and. It's that's, that's what we've used so far. And it's a really nice, you do get the real bright, like pineapple and grapefruit flavors from that. But
2: that's, that's basically what we're using on ours. So from a perspective of price, I mean, how much do you, uh, you, when you go out, you buy a bag of hops, right? Well, it's so because I'm
3: Dutch, Bravo and, Comet are not necessarily more expensive hops. I think we're paying 15 bucks a pound for Citra. I could probably get Bravo for six or seven. And how much do you use in a batch of one of my I think our hazy, we do 30 pounds of hops, which is probably not a lot. Eric, you could probably agree with me that that's not a lot of hops in a batch, 15-barrel batch of hazy.
1: Yeah, it's probably on the lower half
3: yeah we do 22 pounds of dry
2: hops and the rest goes in the last five minutes of the boil and the whirlpool so you're using basically if I'm, my math is right about 45 or 50 pounds of hops? it's closer to 30 Oh closer to 30. okay so Eric what what do you you know how much do you use obviously you use a lot more from what I hear
1: yeah, well so I, I think the easiest way to kind of talk about it is is pound per barrel. So that way no matter the different brew house sizes, you know, it's it's an even comparison. So in our in our hot side editions in the Whirlpool, we're actually only at about a half pound per barrel. So that's that's really low. We we just do enough to get about 30 30 40 IBUs from our our Whirlpool edition, but then on a double IPA, we are 5.5 to 6 pounds per barrel in our dry hop, which on a 10-barrel batch is 55, 60, yeah. 66 pounds on a 20-barrel. I think the most we ever put in was about 150 pounds of hops in a 20-barrel batch. Bloody uh, hell. It, was a, it was a triple IPA. So we kind of we go with a, a scale. The higher the alcohol, the more we're going to hit it with dry hops because it needs a backbone to,
2: to sit on. So 150 pounds times 15 bucks, which is at the low end from what I can gather here. So 15 bucks
1: a pound for citrus, pretty, pretty typical. I, I try and not pay a whole lot more than that for, for anything that we use. I think our galaxy contract, we're at 19 bucks a pound. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're expensive beers to make.
2: Yeah. Right. So, so my purpose in asking, excuse me, my purpose in asking that question is to just give some sense to the consumer about the different costs per, and, and I like the way you say per barrel there, Eric. So the different costs per barrel that go into making some of these beers, and it sounds like hazes are one of the ones that really are expensive to make. Hence, what are you charging per Yours is about seven bucks a pint, right, at Riverland's?
1: Yeah, I think we're <clears throat> for a like a regular IPA. I think we're seven fifty now. We had to bump the prices up a little bit because of yeah. the price of ingredients going up. I think for a double, we're nine a pint, somewhere around there. And we don't we don't sell anything over a double by the pint, so we we yeah. you know, limit it to ten ounces for a triple per serving.
2: What, what about you, Steve? You're you're in a different we're right now. There we're at seven, we're at seven bucks a pint. Okay.
3: Basically for both our regular IPA and our, and our New England IPA. And our, wow. double, our double, we sell a eight-ounce
0: glass for seven. What do you think? Oh, you I think now? we're about the same. I don't really so, know because I never pay for anything.
2: Yeah, I mean. <laughs> 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 Whoa! I'll cut that out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So when somebody goes and buys uh, a four-pack of these beers, and they pay 14 dollars for them, it's really, you know, you look at it and go, holy shit, the price of beer has really gone up. But overall, it's it's just other things that have gone up. It's like gas. The price of Ooh. gas is going up. So the cost of cans, for example, is going up. Right. Aluminum. And, and Aluminum? everything
0: involved in yeah, it. Yeah, we had the... the- Barley crop failure, last the big storm that hit the Pacific Northwest at the end of last year. So yeah, a lot of things are hurting us. That's all I'm talking about, the
2: barley crop failing. So hence, Budweiser is great with the rice, right? (laughs) Yeah, more rice. (laughs) So, okay, let me ask a question here then. And this can be kind of a throw your hat in the ring with your ideas for what makes a good hazy. Give us some keys to making a good one in case we have home brewers listening or in fact, other brewers who want some expertise from you guys. Who wants to go first? I'll start out with.
0: No, oh, okay. The Good main answer. thing for the hazies, because you're are throwing in so many hops. Your battle is to keep the astringency down. That's your main thing. If you can keep that down, then and there are certain tricks to that, but then you're then you're doing well, I think. And the astringency is
2: that. Pro- pro- provided by the hops.
0: Yeah. So okay, will- absolutely. <laughs> At that level, yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of acid still. I mean, there's a lot of so you just have to work on that.
2: So how long do boils go for this? Because I know when you do a barley wine, and Eric, you and I and Ken did a barley wine, and it was like a three and a half hour boil. But that's a really high alcohol beer. What about the hazes? How do they go?
1: We only boil ours
2: for thirty minutes.
1: We we used to do an hour. We're a, we're a direct fire system. So our, our 10 barrel brew house is basically like a big homebrew, you know, set up where there's a natural gas burner, just like a, a homebrew kettle would be. So I didn't like how much color I, I feel like we were picking up from boiling it for, for longer with a direct fire system, which is just gonna add a little bit more color than like a steam system will. So we kind of did a, a test run where we only boiled it for 30 minutes. And I was a little nervous about picking up DMS which is a off flavor in beer. And yeah, it's going to have a kind of a cabbagey cream corn sort of taste. And it's, oh. it's something that you boil out of the beer basically. So I figured if, if, you know, even there was a little bit, it'd be hidden under all the hops, but even tasting the beer before we dry hopped it in the fermenter, I wasn't picking any of it out. So we walked our boils back down to 30 minutes for, for all of these styles.
2: or for, for just easy, for hazy IPAs. So, uh, Steve, are you? Similar? We
1: do ours.
3: We do all of our boils are seventy five minutes. We actually do add some bittering hops, a small amount at the beginning, just to give it some bitterness. I know you get bitterness from the whirlpool hops. That you know it's not exclusive to boiling hops, but we add warrior at the very beginning, a couple of pounds, and just just to give it a little bit of backbone. The
0: exact same thing at ter- oh. Street. <laughs> throw in a little bit of warrior right at the beginning.
3: But uh, yeah, we boil everything 75 minutes, and then there's a five, four, three, two, one addition, and then everything else it's double dry hopped after that.
0: Yeah, we just yeah. throw a, a little bit of warrior in at the beginning. Just uh, mm. just makes it, you know, you're, you're sort of <laughs> striking a balance between, you know, you're adding a little bit of beer character to it. You don't want to add too much because then you're gonna lose, they're gonna lose customers. But well. yeah. Well, I mean, because the customers, people that like hazy's, they want them to taste like hazy's. They don't want yeah. it to taste Light like beer. Well, no, oh, but what yeah, There you go. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, it's all oh a, my god! It's Eric's all a balancing. Cringe, act. You know, it's so, all a balancing, act.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say, I'm watching Eric drink his beer, and I'm jealous that this is like really hazy, because mine, <laughs> oh, yeah. mine, we literally chill it to 45 and put it in the cooler. And for the first couple
2: of weeks, it's beautifully hazy. And then all of a sudden, all the haze drops out. So so I've got a yeah. suggestion for you guys. So, Steve, you need to come up for a collaboration with Eric. That's and a great gonna, idea. I'm in. You're going to brew evil hazy. There we go. Yeah, yeah, I think you really. never, I'll stop you know. by and see how it works. <laughs> we'll set that up. <laughs> I'll have my people call your people. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Okay, so, you know, what demographic is drinking Hazy's? Now, I would like to say I know what it is, but maybe I don't, because you guys are there in the brewery every day. You talk to your taproom managers. You know, who is drinking this
0: beer? Well, I look around, and I see there's a lot of different people like Hazy's. You know, guys like it, but I, I think where you're picking up more drinkers probably is on the female side. You're getting more women
2: don't necessarily
0: like beer to try it okay in my opinion from what i see i could be wrong though i haven't done any studies right i mean it it
1: is it is a really good kind of bridge style for people who are maybe just getting into it and you know aren't looking for that assertive bitterness from something like a west coast but i think just the reason they got so popular is It always drives me nuts when people say it doesn't taste like beer, because (laughs) you have something like Pliny the Elder, you know, the original West Coast double that has a lot of fruit characteristics along with the the and stuff. So I think fruit fruit hop flavors is very much a part of beer flavor.
2: And 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 Pliny the Elder is another beer that I was underwhelmed by, but I found it to be (laughs) quite delightful. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't wow me. And that's sure. I, I
0: you know well, I think when people say beer, it's just that some people that maybe try a hazy for the first time that aren't beer drinkers might mm-hmm. like it because in their mind it's not what they were expecting. Right. It's not a Pilsner right. or
1: a Miller Light or Right. right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. what one of the
3: things that I've noticed is that, you know, a lot of people when I say you know, we'll do a beer dinner or a beer tasting event, I'll say try our IPA. Well, I don't drink IPA, they'll say. I don't like bitter beer. Our regular IPA is pretty balanced. It has a lot of fruity character to it. And you know what? I personally think that a lot of the people that started drinking West Coast IPAs actually really appreciate the New England IPA just because it's, got a lot of the same flavors and i think absolutely it tastes like beer a lot of the same flavors without having the bitterness it actually goes down smoother you know i i like new england ipas
2: yeah you know the new england ipa to me i i don't i think there's a difference between that a regular hazy and a west Coast. it's almost like oh, okay. is there a midwest hazy i guess is that is well, that it, something is that a thing
0: it seems like you know in the old days it is like uh the two hundred ale was kind of your your benchmark. Truck. You said in the old days. I My thought
2: you were supposed to say back on the day. Back in the day. Whatever. I, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you a clang for that. Right. There we go. He's I, going back to the old days. Uh, there we go. <laughs> and
0: that was just called an IPA. And then yeah. And then you had the West Coast, which is where we're going to take out some of the caramel notes a little bit. And then okay, so that's a West Coast. Well, there's, there's a little dis- difference there. Okay, but then the New Englands were just way—they are very different. I think that's when it's like, hey, let's just let's just throw all the hops up front and get rid of the bitterness. Yeah, and and you bring in a lot more people that way. You still get all the the wonderful fruit carrots and all the interesting flavors of all these new hops that are coming out with these fruity tasting hops without all the you know the bitterness. So you're going to get a lot more people
1: that way. You had you had mentioned kind of regional. Differences with the the hazy IPAs, yeah. and this, this is something you and I had talked about a little bit the other day, Phil. Where I definitely think there's a Midwest hazy IPA that's different than kind of how it is coastally, and it's something we've been kind of trying to get away from. Get away some from of the Midwest, yeah, the Midwest. Midwest style. Style. Oh, okay. So we've I have noticed that a lot of hazy IPA made in the Chicago area and the Midwest. I've had some from Minnesota. You know, we travel out there and I've, I've tried a bunch of beers from there and other parts of the Midwest and they all tend to run heavier and sweeter compared to like if you have Treehouse or Trillium or you know Monkish out out west and those are three of the biggest hazy IPA producers across the country all those breweries especially like Treehouse Trillium have a little bit of bitterness to them they still have kind of a dry sort of finish they're never heavy feeling and that's been my complaint with a lot of the midwest kind of versions of the style and and for a time ours ours included we were guilty of this too where in order to kind of chase that creamy body and, and mouth feel, you let the beer get too heavy and sweet to where it's no longer a drinking beer you know you right. are drinking five and ten ounces out of it at a time but you struggle to finish a can so to me that's kind of the midwest take on it and we've been trying to get away from that at, at riverlands we're going a little drier, a little more drinkable, which I think is you're you're still looking it's still an IPA. There should still be some kind of bittering backbone to it. You should be able to have a second can of it as long as it's not 10% ABV. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't feel like a meal.
2: Yeah. And and by the way, when you say a 10% IPA, I don't, you know, I, I consider those beers to be the 10% and up gonna be mm-hmm. leather chair and cigar beers. Right. But I don't consider an IPA at 10% to be a lever chair and cigar beer. I wouldn't want to sit there sipping it. For some reason, I don't know why, it, it could be psychological in the looks. I'm, I'm currently drinking now the big Imperial IPA from Sierra Ooh. Nevada. And I didn't look to see what the, hang on, i have got to get the can up again. That is coming in at 9%. Now, 9% for a lot of beers is quite high. Yeah. This doesn't taste like 9%. I would much rather have this beer, which I think you could probably call a West Coast. It is clear and, you know, it's it's still an IPA. But I wouldn't call, you know, a double IPA one of those ones you go sip, sip in, a, in a snifter. Am I kind of <laughs> wacky here or You're wacky? No, I, I, I can feel like,
0: wacky.
1: that's kind of my test for the for the style and and really almost any style with the exception of a couple of things is if you finish a pint of it do you want to go back for another one yeah and to me with hazy ipa is if you can't say yes to that question then the, the beers fail in my in my opinion if it's if it's around eight nine percent you know you should be able to have a, a couple of them at least and and still not feel too heavy still you have that, that juicy, refreshing element to it where you're not feeling super bogged down afterwards.
3: That's us Yeah, go
2: that's, ahead, Steve.
3: Well, that's my take on, on New England IPAs as well. If you get a good one, I always want a second one just because it's good, even if it is like 7%. Just because it does. It's got a lot of fruity character. It's juicy. It's refreshing and it's creamy, but I agree with Eric. They shouldn't be heavy. It should be just a nice, smooth,
0: fruity beer, and the best part is that last inch in the glass. It's like the best part. Well, it's- <laughs> <All> the, <laughs> I'm this, just the saying it? where the
1: hop oh, resins yeah. and oils have all kind of oh, settled yeah. down. Yeah. It's
0: warmed up a little bit, and it's like <laughs> if it's a good one, like they were saying, then yeah. Yeah,
2: I guess. Well, we've explored a lot about hazes. I guess I'm not going to be convinced that hazes are my style but you talked actually about would you call it a transition beer or a bridge beer i think i'm over that bridge i you know i grew up on classic styles i grew up on english bitter which again is a misnomer because it's not bitter but you know i grew up on those styles and the new styles i will try them absolutely and i have to say you know, I haven't tried yours, Steve, but I have tried your Dean Street that you're drinking now. And you talked about it being uh, bitter and dry and a nice fruitiness, but not too much. I found that and I would <laughs> like to have a second one of those, but I probably wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's, you know, it, it's like everybody has their favorites and, I, you know, I do enjoy them when I try it here's when i enjoy them when it's a hot day Mm. i want something refreshing and i think you said refreshing and fruity and then i'm done i then i want to move to you know pills or you know chuck actually has cracked open uh, a my from pollyanna called nose (laughs) and mean, i mean that's a classic style your pale ale sergeant reckless steve i've had that it's that's a two-pinter for me that one is great I'm going to ask the final question here. I think as we kind of wrap this up a little bit, everybody's favorite local hazy. It doesn't have to be your own. So, in fact, I prefer it not to be your own. So, let's go to Steve. Local hazy? Yeah. So, someone in the Chicago area. I don't want it outside of Illinois. Oh, <laughs> by local... the way, who, who's that brewery down Triptych? They do a lot of hazies, right? Yeah. You know oh, what? My... I mean, honestly.
3: My beer drinking has become like sort of localized at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I haven't really done a lot of like. I honestly haven't had a bunch of hazy's away from here. Yeah, um, we just did one with uh, we we put a we had one from Horse Thief Hollow. I don't remember what the name of it is, but it was very nice. It was a really nice hazy IPA. One one thing I'd like to say: there's a brewery here in the south suburbs. That I had a conversation with with the brewer at the time who hated the beer he made because they were all hazy and half of them had lactose in it. And I think that that's that's where the problem comes in. I don't think hazy IPA is a problem. I think lactose IPAs, that ruins it for me because it's too heavy. I can't drink it.
2: I don't think it belongs in an IPA, anything you would call IPA. Right. Thank you for reminding me. I want to go to that point because I said I wanted to talk about lactose in these. So, Steve, you know, you don't like lactose in it. What does the lactose bring to a hazy and why do people put it in there? First of all, I think most of the lactose IPAs I've had don't
3: taste like IPA anymore they're just super sweet. I've had one. I had one from uh, Hand of Fate down in Petersburg, Illinois, that actually had some hop bitterness to it. But that may be the only one I've ever had that literally had like some IPA quality to it. Most of them just are like ridiculously sweet. A story a brewer told me that there was a couple that went to their brewery and then called the next day and said that they got food poisoning. Well, he looked up their bill, and they each drank seven lactose IPAs. You know, even a healthy person can't process. It's like drinking two gallons of milk. You know, you can't process that much lactose. (laughs) And people like I mean, it's sweet. It tastes like pop, you know. But I I just.
0: Now, they add the lactose to try to deal with the astringency. You know, it smooths the beer on a little bit. Uh, and it, it's it's you know, and it's and they and what happens and I we do a lot of contract brewing and I, what I see happening is people get carried away with that. Oh, a little bit of lactose. Hey, how about how about three bags instead of one? How about five bags? Because it's a powder. It's not actually. Yeah, you know, a, it's a like liquid. Right? If three yeah. bags is a good, five bags is yeah. going to be better. Well, that was really smooth. Oh wow, now it's really really smooth. Yeah, but you know what? It tastes like a freaking uh, candy bar that somebody dissolved in, you know, like, water. You know, it's just, it's terrible. Like, you know, and so I think people <laughs> just get a little carried away with it sometimes. I can't be wrong.
2: Eric, do you put lactose in your beers? We we very,
1: very rarely do. We we, I think we have one hazy IPA out of probably two, three dozen that we make that that has lactose. And that one's by design because it's it's a rye New England IPA. Yeah, and we use, I think, half a bag of lactose in 10 barrels, because we, we actually like the way the lactose plays with the rye spiciness in that yeah. beer. And we, well, we half
0: a bag's not a lot.
1: I mean, no, it's, it's but that's that's it. Then we we did one other yeah. beer. We have a beer called Hop Rich and we did a beer called Candied Hop Rich,
2: which had lactose in it. I yeah, <laughs> did not. I did so, not. So you're I, adding lact, you're adding lactose to make sweetness, not to make it cloudy, because the right. cloudiness that, that shouldn't have really much
1: floating around to, to do with it. But I, I oh. mean, ninety nine percent of the
2: time, no, we don't
1: we don't use lactose in our hazy IPA. We don't we don't even use. We were using maltodextrin for a little while, which is a different non dairy based unfermentable sugar. And we've since taken that out too. So right now we don't use anything other than barley malt and or barley uh, oats and, and wheat because we're actually trying to not make them thinner necessarily. We still want a creamy, silky body, but I, I'd rather try and get that from the water chemistry side of things than adding unfermentable
2: sugar to the beer. I've had a few people tell me I've got a creamy, silky body, but <laughs> very few. <laughs>
3: No, we, we make a milk stout. That's what we make. That's our only lactose beer because it's well, it's an actual beer style from back in yeah. the day. Right. I mean, it's, it's, that's just my thing. I mean, I'm just kind of a
2: purist as far as that, beer. That's goes. when they actually added milk to it. And I think so hopped up in uh, Huntley, they actually do a milk stout that has milk coming from their local dairy because that Ooh. was historically where it came from anyway we digress off hazes so lactose what i'm hearing is a no no now is lacto okay let me ask uh, maybe going into a different area here are milkshakes completely different to hazes they're related um, but
1: i don't think they're, i mean they're definitely not one and the same when um, they say
0: milkshake they're just trying to tell you they put lactose in it right okay.
1: <laughs> yeah so i know there are like hazy ipas in the Chicagoan area that that use lactose, but I, I think Lejuice by alarmist, I think, if I remember correctly, uses lactose. I think they, they have it right there on the can, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but I think they use lactose, but I don't call, or I, I wouldn't consider that a milkshake IPA, and I don't think they advertise it that way. To me, if you're gonna specifically market something as a milkshake IPA, it usually is gonna have vanilla in it too, because you're trying to get that vanilla yeah ice cream sort of thing. It's a it's a style that seems to be slowing down. I don't see nearly some people around, and I am totally okay with that. I have a feeling, yeah.
3: Well, it's just, okay. it drives me crazy when you go to a place and they say they've got a Fields of Sunshine milkshake IPA, and you taste it, and it tastes like bananas and strawberries, and it's like, wait, mm-hmm. hey, this has nothing to do with IPA. You know, <laughs> but I go... IPA has become a bastardized term where it's like there's breweries that are calling things IPA that have nothing even remotely close to IPA flavor to them. Right. It's all marketing. So, yeah. Marketing.
1: I think I'd feel yeah. better about them if they just called them milkshake ales or something. And, and those beers can be really tasty in, in a five ounce glass. I, I personally <laughs> struggle to finish more than five ounces or something like that, but yeah.
2: Yeah, they're definitely not
1: IPAs anymore.
2: That's okay. True. So, milk tricks, nothing to do with hazes. So, okay. So, anyway, Steve did say he had one from Horse Thief Hollow, which is down where? That's in Beverly. It's uh,
3: 104th and Western Avenue in Chicago.
2: Okay. Yes, I've heard of them. I've had, I think I've had one beer from them, but because they're so far south, it's like you. I'd, I'd love to get down there more often, Steve. Actually, you know what? <laughs> They're not. They're in Chicago, so they're not
3: that far south. Oh. Yeah, oh, well, I don't go to Chicago. Shotspur,
2: so. uh, we street. don't go to Chicago it,
3: It's actually, that. you know what? It's worth the trip. They've won a lot of awards at uh, GABF and at the World Beer Cup. So, I mean, they make some really good beers there, I do have to say. All right. Maybe I'll get out that.
2: Eric. <laughs> Eric. Now, outside of your own hazy, locally produced with uh, anything stick in your mind so there's one beer total range by phase 3 is really really, really good like
1: yeah Zurich. yep he I, I, his goal with that beer is to kind of do similar to what i was talking about before get the beer less sweet a little more highly carbonated the kind of hazies that I really enjoy, I know, I think he's kind of modeled it a little bit after Other Half Brewing out of New York, that that particular beer. And it's it's very much like a New England hazy IPA rather than like the, the Midwest style, you know, where it's a little thicker and sweeter. So I really like that beer as far as the specific beer goes. Otherwise, you actually mentioned them a, a couple minutes ago. Triptych is, is one of my favorite IPA makers around too. And they're awesome, awesome guys. We love them.
2: Very interesting because I had a couple of Triptych beers and... I really like the the titles of them. I think it was something like windmills for giants, or giants or mm-hmm. windmills, or something. <laughs> that sounds really good. And I opened it up, and I went, "Holy crap! It's a hazy." Yeah. <laughs> that was okay. You, you know, it wasn't a bad one. So, so Chuck, now this is going to be a challenge for him because I know if you had a mm. a beer tap in front of you, and the hazy would be the last one you would go for, probably, right?
0: Well, probably. i I like to I like to start with. Like a a light lager, and I start to work my way up, and, and I like to have an IPA in there somewhere. The thing is, is if you just drink like a lager or something, it's you know you you, you can taste and smell differences, and and mm-hmm. you know your nose. Like if you're trying to smell something and you can't pick it up, so you know sniff something else, go outside, come back in, whatever. You, you pick up, you know you you get sort of your senses get dulled dull to drinking just one style of beer so it's best to go to an ipa like if you've had a lager it's best to go then to an ipa because then the hops are just gonna pop you know whatever it is hopefully a good one and then if you have another ipa after that yeah not it's still well but you're, you're you've gotten adjusted to it now best to try a stout maybe maybe go to a stout then come back to an ipa or go back to a, a, a lager or something like that i don't that's kind of how i do it so
2: you haven't named anyone
0: you could name your
2: own because i know you don't have many
0: <laughs> uh, i i don't really i kind of like you know with steve you know i don't i don't i don't get out and taste a lot of different hazy's. like you said yeah. when i go out and about i'm tasting i you know yeah if i see a pilsner that's the first thing i hone in on just, just because that's my deal
2: so i have to but, say for his beers for church street you've got two that brucifer and Little Lucy, and Little Lucy is yeah. kind of a lighter
0: version. Of Little Bruce's Lucy's book. the one. I, for me, I just drink the yeah. Little Lucy because I, I would go with that too. Because I, no. you know, I don't need to be hit over the head with uh, someone. What's right, your
2: What's your name, I Chris? Chris, went, Chris Rock? Rock. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, Chris needs to learn how to duck. You know. Jeez, She sits there and takes it. Yeah. So, so the Little Lucy to me is, or, or any of the any of these, you know, hazies. IPAs that are, you know, it's like, Little Lucy is like the pale ale, you know, just like pale ales and IPAs. I always like pale ales better because Mm. I don't need to be hit over the head with hops. I just want to experience them, enjoy them. And so that's kind of what our Little Lucy is. And a lot of, a lot of people call things an IPA when they're not, just because it sells more. They're not, maybe they are an IPA, but they're like an all-day IPA. Well, an all-day IPA is really just kind, kind of a pale ale, isn't wait it? Wait a minute! Isn't that Founders? <laughs> yes, but isn't that really a pale ale? But from a marketing uh, standpoint, no, I would
2: disagree. I would say yeah, that Founders okay. All-Day IPA is definitely not a pale ale. You know, so uh, compared, to, I know a pale ale. Compare it to Sierra Nevada uh, pale ale. Well, Sierra Nevada pale ale is a classic American pale ale. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Not well, I wouldn't, right I wouldn't. I wouldn't well. agree that all-day IPA is a I'm just. Anybody disagree with me out there?
3: Throwing it out there, Phil. You got to come down and have our Balmoral best bitter.
2: I have had your bitter. Okay. I have had Balmoral. I enjoyed it immensely. It was a thumbs up for me. Okay. So final thoughts on hazes. We're gonna go around. You can say whatever you want about them. You know, give the consumer something to come in and ask. You know. I want to try something. What am I going to expect?
1: Eric. So if you're coming into our place and you're getting a hazy IPA, hopefully you're getting something that's super hop saturated, silky mouthfeel while never weighing you down. Just dry enough to keep it refreshing, getting you to want another sip. Hopefully never astringent. We make sure we we give our, our beer from root A to the time we package it uh, a month, which I know is a little on the longer side for hazies because we want that astringency to settle out. So hopefully a smooth pint that you'll want to come back and have another one of.
3: Steve? I want to go to Eric's and drink his because <laughs> that <this> sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know what? If I could get someone to go to Vermont, give me some Eddie Topper, I'll drink it anytime because that's an excellent beer.
1: Yep, for sure.
0: Okay. And Chuck, what was the question again?
2: <laughs> uh, what would you say to someone coming Uh-oh. in and wanting a hazy? what's your opinion? You know, final My thought. Opinion.
0: Well, I think they're a wonderful thing for the business. I don't necessarily drink them that much, but they're a great thing. I think.
2: So in other words, guys, if you make a hazy, it's going to sell. Mm-hmm. There's lots of nods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, 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 <laughs> I can see him. We're on zoom and I can see him, but you can't. Uh, there's lots of nods. I'm but, gonna, oh, I'll tell you. Oh. Yes, Steve. I'm going to go have one right now. All right. right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and Steve, thank you so much for coming in. I know you're at the brewery. It's probably been a long day. Did you brew today?
3: No, we can't. We did uh, actually a hundred cases of Sardi Reckless. Oh, oh. Did you get rid of the bottling line? No, I still have that stupid boiling line. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do you have a do you have your in-house canning line now?
3: No, we we bring in a mobile canner still. Okay. Um oh. actually Going full circle. Our best selling beer now is our American lager. Which goes full circle. That's what I actually started brewing to get away from.
0: uh, (laughs) Yeah, what did you call that? I forgot what you called that. Yeah, it was kind of a clue. No, Log Wrench
2: Lager. Oh, right, right. Okay. What was it again? Log wrench lager. Log wrench lager. Okay. So where can they find your beers like Sergeant Reckless? How far north? Are you?
3: Actually, you know what? We're in nine jewel stores in and around Joliet. I think the furthest north is Naperville, the south end of Naperville.
2: Okay, um, so, so a jewel in Naperville, I'm sure there's only one. Well, no, there's probably seven, but we're in various. We, we've got over
3: 200 accounts, so we're anywhere from. Chicago to
2: Champaign to Springfield to Peoria. So we're, we're out there. And, and you're on Beermenus.com? Yes. yeah. Okay, we can find you there. Uh, you can't, you can't see it, uh, listeners, but there seems to be a hairy thing that keeps coming into uh, Eric's picture. And I, I think it's his la- Labradoodle. My,
1: yeah, it? I got a Golden Retriever and a, a Lab Poodle mix, and, and they are my shadows. So Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and i have a question for you how do you keep everything so quiet i think you're in your front room there as your fireplace behind you yeah
1: where are all the kids? they're on spring break so they are they are not here at the moment. My one dog is upstairs with my wife. The other dog's down here and she's the quiet one. So I yeah. I'm surprised oh, right. you might have heard a little bit of barking in the background at one point
2: but no, that's a little it, bit. was that, was that your yeah. wife or the dog <laughs> 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 I'm gonna ring a bell for that. <laughs> thank you very much right. And thank you very much, Chuck for coming in. This thank is you, the bell. first time that Chuck goes on Zoom, we're sitting behind the bar and i don't allow people behind the bar but for here i am for the uh, for this particular thing because we can get us both in on one camera chuck is behind the bar how do you like being behind the bar the first time Chuck?
0: that's interesting all the stuff you got back like all these nuts all this hey stuff. oh you leave my nuts on here. <laughs> all kinds of stuff all kinds of like flip tops, snacks at the bar hey, you guys are nuts
2: enough yeah, <laughs> yes. thank you very much, Steve. I want to thank you all very much for discussing this topic of hazies. I don't know if the world is now any clearer on this hazy topic, but we certainly explored it a little bit. And you know what we always say? If you like it, drink it. So I'm out of beer. Can I have some of you? I'm drinking. Um, oh, he's drunk I- <laughs> It's gone. <laughs> I really you're too late. Man. <laughs> nose and tail my bock. I haven't got any. So uh, it's only sixty okay. glasses. Anybody got two glasses? We'll cling it together here. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. All the best. Cheers, Eric. Cheers, Steve. It's goodbye from here. Yeah, he's still got beer left. He hasn't put it up to his mouth a lot, although mm. I think it's I think it's a fake beer. He must have a drinking problem. Yeah. <laughs> he drinks it and spills it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, take care, guys. All the best. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Britain Yankee! Britain Yankee! I'll have a pipe. No, give us a pipe. You got any tech, But A oh, pipe, please,
0: Bob. Give us another pipe.